Well, for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the defining characteristics of early Methodism. And along the way, we have been considering some of our focus questions for the year. Remember, I went over there them for several weeks. This morning, we're going to take a hard look at this question. Why are you here? Why? What, what, what's your purpose for being in this room today? Now, some of you here are going to say, well, I'm here to go to church. Well, that's the wrong answer because we don't go to church. We are the church. You're the church in your homes. You're the church where you work. You're the church in your schools. You're the church where you shop. You're the church when you're on vacation. You're the church when you're at the ball game. Think about that. We've gathered here to worship. and Specifically, we've gathered here to worship God. And so this morning, we're going to explore some of the things about worship that were not necessarily unique to early Methodism, but certainly some things that the early Methodists led the way, some innovations in worship. In the great Methodist revival that spread through the American frontier, Methodists would worship. They didn't gather for an hour you know, and then their watches beeped on the hour and the preacher knew it was time to go. Well, they didn't have watches that beeped anyway, so. They didn't sit through preaching, they worshiped. They didn't endure a church service, they worshiped. And this was certainly true on the American frontier. But let me share with you a little something about worship in general, in Christianity. Uh, at that time, before the Methodist revival. Most worship at that time is what we might call an intellectual affair. Worship was an activity in which church members would sit and listen to the scriptures being read, which we do. Well, we might stand and listen, yeah. Church members would sit and listen to a choir sing, which we do. Church members would sit and listen to a preacher talk about scriptures, which we do, but the emphasis was on what? Sit and listen. Sit and listen. There was no or very, very little congregational participation. John, you wouldn't be laughing at the preacher back then, let me tell you. No. There was not much of what we would call active worship, singing hymns, Singing hymns really hadn't caught on in Christianity. Choirs might sing them, but congregations, no, no, they, they, they wouldn't. So if there is one thing that defined worship in the Methodist movement, one thing that distinguished American Methodist worship from worship, say, of the Church of England, would be that the Methodists participated. They participated in their worship services. Are you a Methodist, do you choose to actively participate? Early Methodists believed that people had to actively speak up or raise hands or do something, and if they had not actively participated, those early Methodists believed that those people had not really worshiped God. And we might think that's a little harsh, but by its very definition, worship is an act that requires us to do something more than just sit 
and listen. Uh, worship, it, let, me, let me say this. Worship is never, ever, ever about getting something out of the service. People tell me, preacher, I didn't get much out of that service today. I say, thank God, because it wasn't about you anyway. <laughs> worship is not getting something from the service. It's about giving worth to God. In fact, the word worship comes from the old English word worth-ship, which worth-ship, which meant something was worthy a modern definition of worship is to give worth to something. So our, our worship of God should show God and others just how much God is worth to us. So I wonder if the person seated next to you at the end of the service, will they know that God is worth much to you? Will they? By the way that you participate. In worship, we're supposed to show God how much we appreciate God. We should never go to a worship service with the intent to sh somehow earn points with God. But worship, worship is where we as individuals and where we as the body of Christ show God how much God means to us. So if God means anything to us, we have to do something more than show up, stand up and sit down at the right times. We have to do something more. If it is something worth to us, we must participate. Uh, is uh, UT basketball worth something to you? U UT football worth something to you? Well, when you show up, you do more than just sit there, right? Yeah, because it's worth something to you, of course. Well, that's the way it is with God. We should show God how much God is worth to us. Well, uh, let's look at some things about early Methodist worship. The first thing that they would do would be to lift up, and I saw some of this this morning, lift up, they would exalt, they would show honor to God. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 16 says, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. This seeking was at their worship service. So those folks who show up for worship, may they rejoice and be glad. May those who long for your saving help always say. That was in the worship service, by the way. So that you're supposed to show up for worship and say, what are we supposed to say? The Lord is great. Amen. Amen. So speaking out was part of uh, early Methodist worship services. And so speaking out, this was exalting. This was glorifying. This was praising. And, and you had to do something. There had to be a response. Uh, some of the early Methodists, their response when they heard something good, whether it's a choir, the preacher, or what, they would stand up, stand up. And that's one thing I really like about the African-American church, man. You know, preacher be going at it, and, and old Ben would just stand up and raise his hands. And I'm like, whoo, God's moving in here. Amen. That's what the Methodists would do. Wow. You know what? Well, let's just continue before I get on a high horse. So anyway, each person should participate in some way that to them, because maybe you're not a hand raiser, but you should participate in a way that to you is showing God, God, I honor you and I glorify your name because Methodists participate in worship because they are thankful for the gift of God's grace. Are you thankful for God's grace? Yes. Hey, I'm telling you, without it, you're going to hell, okay? 
There, I said it. Amen. There's a Methodist over there. So we are thankful for God's gift of grace. So we've got to show God how thankful we are. Um, whenever you worship, do something that shows God that he's worth something to you. Psalm 35, my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. And this is why we participate in worship. Methodists participate in worship because salvation fills them with joy, fills us with joy. And regardless of whether you're a Methodist, a Baptist, a church of God, those who are thankful for their salvation participate in worship. And so the early Methodists, they took that to heart. And, uh, and one of the ways that was extremely, I mean, you could just tell a Methodist church from any other church was the way that they sang, okay? Singing was key to Methodist worship. Did you know that in this country in the 1800s, Methodists were called the shouting Methodists. That's exactly right. We were called the shouting Methodists. And that, that, that did refer to shouting amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But it also referred to the way that they would sing out. In fact, loud and lively singing was what distinguished Methodist worship more than anything else. And you may ask, did other groups sing yeah, but like I said, hymn singing really hadn't caught on. It was catching on with the Methodists. They led the way. Uh, and, and other groups would have hymns, but if you didn't see a sign on the front door of a church, you could tell whether it was Methodist or not. Because you, if you heard that loud singing and people saying, glory, amen, hallelujah, you knew it was a Methodist church. But now we're Methodicals. Raise one hand and sit on the other. <laughs> Let me tell you about one of the partners in uh, this Methodist movement was the brother of John Wesley. His name was Charles Wesley. And Charles Wesley was a hymn writer and not just any hymn writer. He wrote the words to over 6,000 hymns. I mean, like, what did he do in his spare time? I don't know. 6,000 hymns. And there are still a number of Charles Wesley hymns in modern hymnals, some of his best known were, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. Charles Wesley, come thou long expected Jesus, could it be that I should gain? And my favorite Charles Wesley hymn, we just sang it a few months ago or last month, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But there is something that set Charles Wesley apart from other hymn writers, something other than the fact that he wrote 6,000 hymns, you see, Charles Wesley, he wrote lyrics, and actually he wrote poems, and he wrote very little music, and what he did is he took secular music, he took bar tunes, he did, and he wrote lyrics to them. Now, I'm going to say something that for some of you, and I know this is true, for some of you, your skin is going to crawl. The Methodist movement was led by contemporary music. And I'm not making that up. It's history. You can read it. And, and while this contemporary music drew people to church, it allowed for one of the greatest revivals this country has ever known, or the greatest revival this country has ever known. 
Now, there were some church people, remember religious people? There were some church people who would say things like, I don't want that kind of music in my church. The preacher must be crazy if he thinks I'm going to sing to that. But guess what? The Methodists did sing to it, and it sang them with enthusiasm. And you know why they sang it with enthusiasm? Because they knew that that music was attracting people to Jesus Christ. And that made them happy. They didn't care that they didn't like the music. They were excited that people who once were not in church, people who once were lost, were now worshiping the Lord. Yet, oh Lord, have mercy, keep me off that horse. Methodists are filled with joy when other people are drawn to Jesus. Are you? Are you? you excited even if it's music you don't want to hear but the people are just saying oh my gosh I love Jesus the people called Methodists would sing contemporary Christian music but I remember back in the 80s when the United Methodist Church came out with a new hymnal and there were songs that were written in the 1930s and people signed petitions <laughs> how can you put that music in our hymnal what happened to the Methodists? There's nothing wrong with the oldie goldie hymns. I like them too. But historically, because we say we want to be Methodist, good. Historically, the Methodist movement was cutting edge. Outside worship, bar tunes. Other folks weren't doing that in the 17 and 1800s. So singing was certainly uh, the number one defining characteristic of early Methodist worship. And people didn't care how they sounded. They sang for joy. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. There was another defining characteristic of early Methodist worship. And again, this is something that people did in the days of Jesus and we find it mentioned throughout the Psalms. Let's look at Psalm 66. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. If I told you one Sunday morning without warning that I wasn't going to preach, but we were going to open it up for people to come up here and tell us what God has done for you, I wonder how many of you would just sink down into your pew so that I wouldn't see you. Psalm 71, I will tell everyone. I, I, I will tell everyone. I will tell. So early Methodists would testify. And what is testifying? Well, the people called Methodists were expected to stand and to share with others what the Lord had done for them. You know, I, I started pastoring in southwest part of Virginia, Pulaski, Pulaski, yeah, right across from the Pulaski Church of God, actually. Well, I think you've been to that church, haven't you? Yeah. So anyway, uh, in the Methodist churches in that part of the country, they, that was a part of the service. And it wouldn't be the same person every other week to stand up and give a testimony. It would, it would just be random people. And I, and I wonder... Because, see, we have a men's breakfast, and that's the whole point of the men's breakfast. 
But most of the people that we get to come and testify, they don't go to this church. So if you'd like to testify, please let me know. Please let me know. You see, Methodists love to tell others what Jesus had done for them. Oh, Ramon, we got to stay Methodist. Okay. Then come on up here and tell us what Jesus has done for you. Because that's what Methodists do. We need to develop a habit of declaring what God has done for each of us. This is one of the reasons why I encourage you and Chris encourage you to be a part of a small group. Because maybe you don't want to come and stand before a whole congregation and testify, but a small group might be a a way to help you develop that habit of, of talking about Jesus. Now, I want to say something about another element of worship uh, that many, uh, if not most churches, still have, but the emphasis on this element um, was stressed during the Methodist revival. And I'm talking about the offering. Offering. We have an offering, and musicians will play music, and we think it's kind of a break. You know, it's kind of a break. After all, some of us give online or we give once a month, you know, at the beginning of the month or whatever. And so, oh, we'll just listen to a nice little rec- 